things that God consistently inspires me about is how beautiful he is and how beautiful his creation is, including all of his sons and daughters. Now, you know, when we don't know that we do really ugly things and we look ugly, right? Uh, But God is masterful at taking those, taking those ugly things in the circumstances of life Um, Those ugly ways of being that we've displayed, these character flaws that are not even who we really are in his image and likeness and conform them uh, uh, into his image and likeness, which is beautiful. He is love. Therefore, he is lovely. He's a beautiful God. And even the really ugly, despicable, um, um, shame-ridden, and um, desolate parts of our story. You know, death is a thing. Uh, it's an enemy of God. God hates death, uh, which is why he overcame it. And he is capable of redeeming all things. He's the Lord of the impossible, the Lord of the possible, turning the impossible into pos- impossible and redeems all things. So when we're talking about our story, all of us have ugly things in our story. Um, you know, some more than others. Uh, sometimes in our survival, we minimize the ugliness or the devastation of something that's happened because honestly, we just don't want to deal with it. Uh, but uh, God is at going to the root of how it really is and redeeming it and and turning it into something beautiful. That's beauty for ashes. Uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes 3.11. And I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So the bottom line is God created things beautifully. He created a beautiful garden. Uh, a beautiful planet, you know, that even in its fallenness, there's breathtaking beauty in the planet, you know, where we have concrete jungles, there's flowers that pop up through the cracks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I actively, you know, I live near, you know, the, the mountains in Colorado. And so I, I purposely and intentionally gaze at them and thank God for them. So I'm not going, yeah, whatever, been there, seen that, bought the t-shirt. I don't want to get hardened to the beautiful things that God has. And, you know, we can, we can get really ungrateful in, especially when we're, you know, we're, we're in pain or where we're angry. Um, and we just have a tendency to spout off all the ugly things. Um, and they're genuinely ugly. Let's be very clear. Uh, but you know, those are things that are subject to change because God has made everything beautiful in his own time, especially his kids. There's a, there's a working of God in you that you can cooperate with, or you can fight or you can ignore, which is fighting, um, where he's beautifying you 
into his gorgeous image and likeness. That is your, your true design. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 45, 18. And this is from the Passion Translation. It says, this is what Yahweh says, heaven's creator, who alone is God. He created the earth, shaped it, and established it all by himself. I kind of think that's funny because I don't know why I think that's funny, but it's like, he really didn't need our help. Just So anyway, he made it fit and orderly and beautiful for its inhabitants. He says, I am Yahweh and there is no other God. And sometimes, you know, in our fallenness, um, we somehow think that we have a better idea than God. You know, we, there's a lot of things in creation that are really ugly. We've got, you know, we've got all sorts of things in the planet that are fallen and ugly. And sometimes in our arrogance as human beings and in our independence, we think we have a better idea. So even when we're wanting to do something to address the environment or wanting to do something to address maybe, um, uh, you know, helping people uh, where they're not acting in beautiful ways or uh, trying to come up with their own brilliant idea to help ourselves not act in ugly ways, all of those things. When we do things independently from God, uh, it doesn't yield eternal fruit. And so it's this cooperation, this partnership. He created us to, to live in a beautiful planet and he created us to steward this planet. We've done a crappy job because of the of human fallenness, because of greed, you know, because of wars, because of hunger for power, all these different things. We rape the environment and that's not beautiful. But then we also um, violate one another. And, you know, human beings uh, should not be secondary. Now, there's some people who feel like, well, we need to limit population growth or or they resent certain people groups from being around because they they're drainers. The bottom line, people is the most are the most important things. The environment, the planet was created for its inhabitants. Its inhabitants weren't created for the planet. But there's this beautiful symbiosis where we get to take care of the planet and the planet takes care of us. And how what that looks like, if we go to the one who created the planet, who created us, I truly believe that he has answers. He has answers for climatary shifts. He has answers for pollution. He has answers for the plastic that is building up in our oceans and, um, you know, the coral um, dying out and and species dying out, he has answers for all of that. But it's our heart to turn towards him that uh, that causes that. And that's part of beautifying the story of humanity. So there's there's your individual story of, you know, these horrible things happened. How did God redeem that? And how is he redeeming it? And if you haven't seen the redemption, the story's not over. The story's still being written. Because until everything is conformed into his image and likeness in terms of us and the scene realm redeemed, the story's not over. It's not over until we win. And we win 
by humbling ourselves until under the mighty hand of God and his, him exalting us and conforming us. And that's just beautiful. Um, let's see. Let's go to Hebrews 11.3. This is the Passion Translation. Faith empowers us to see the universe was created and beautifully coordinated. Isn't that beautiful? Um, by the power of God's words, he spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. So God works from the inside out. This is how we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's already done. Jesus went to the cross as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world and the lamb who, who came in flesh, God in flesh, uh, who uh, redeemed. And this is being worked in, an, in, in us and through us as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And so this outworking is so important. So our question is, you know, God, what are you doing? How can I partner with you? in what you're doing in me, what you're doing through me. And this is how your story gets beautified. And this is how the the the, the planetary sto- story gets beautified, the story of humanity. Um, and, you know, human humans are not smarter than God. You know, I, I grew up in a uh, secular humanist environment. And, and, and on one hand, it, it justly, elevates humanity because humanity is in the image and likeness of God. The problem with it is it separates itself from God and says we are our own gods and we're not our own gods. We make idiot gods. And, you know, all we need to do is look around. Yeah. Idiocy, idiocy, idiocy. All you need to do is look around your own life with the stupid things. Right. And you can say, yeah, that idiocy, idiocy, idiocy. And there's not a condemnation in it, but we need to wake up and smell the coffee. And then we can say, God, in this sinful way of being that I have reaped in my life or that sinful ways of being have reaped havoc on me in my story or the ways of being that I've contributed with knowingly, unknowingly, covertly, overtly in the planetary history and the history of uh, the earth. Um, you know, what do I need to own and how can I partner? I really, I, I so believe that in these co- these real problems we have in humanity, where we are really hell bent on wiping ourselves out, that God has answers. And it takes humility for humanity to say, we don't have the answers. We're not smart enough. What we're doing now isn't working. What are the answers? And I believe God uh puts creative ideas as people turn to him. And, um, you know, uh, 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 what's it say? Washington Carver, um, the brilliant black uh, inventor, would sit for hours a day. George Washington Carver would sit for hours a day and ask Mr. Creator, he's a beautiful, um, how did, how did the, the flower, how did you form a flower? How did you, how do you unpack a peanut to change the economy of the South? And God would reveal things to him because he came in humility as a son and honored God as creator. Oh my goodness, you have solutions. And I believe as we do that, we will come up with the solutions that we need. Uh, and they're not political solutions, although they impact politics. They're not, um, you know, uh, they're not social solutions, although they impact our social issues that we have, like racism and all of that. Um, they're not, you know, uh, 
economic uh, solutions, but they impact economy, right? Uh, so all of it, God is able to speak to all of it. Uh, let's go to Psalm uh, 13 and let's, uh, this is not Psalm 13, it's Psalm 139. Okay. <laughs> I lost a letter, a number. Um, and this is honing down into you and me, beautifying our story. It says, verse three, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You are seen. Okay. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak, even before I start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. He knows all the stupid stuff we're going to do. And he knows all the brain stuff we're going to do. And he has gone before us in our future because he's above time to prepare things for us so that we can agree with him, cooperate with him. And beautiful things can happen. And in kindness, you follow behind me. What does that look like? Well, you know, God knows your past. And he knows the things that you need healing from in your past. And your past was your past. You know, what happened, happened. What didn't happen, didn't happen. But God is able to rewrite our past on our hearts so that we see our past rightly. So that lies and trauma are not keeping us entrapped, uh, are not keeping us in pain, in bondage. They're healed so that we can engage with God in the present as we're walking out this present moment by moment into the future. And it's being redeemed and beautified. You have laid your hand on me. So this is speaking to his engagement with his sons and daughters. You know, this is God's powerful, strong hand to undergird us and kind and healing hand to heal heal us, his protective hand to protect us and his his, uh, uh, kind and merciful hand to lead and guide us, his wise hand to lead and guide us. And that is yours as a son and daughter, and you get to experience that. And if you're not experiencing it, ask Lord, the Lord for eyes to see. You will get them. Keep on seeking him. It says, this is just too wonderful, deep, and in- incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. See, he knows who you really are. And you are gorgeous. You're in the image and likeness of God in your flavor. And that is eternal. Before anything crappy happened to you, before you were marred by life, you were marked by love, in love. Uh, You were created in love, for love, to be loved, to love. All right. And if you want more on that, get my Marked by Love book. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? God is everywhere. Okay, you know, if we think we're like holding on on God or hiding things from God, I mean, it's like it's really silly, right? You form my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside and wove them all together in my mother's womb. Thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. You are beautiful. You are a poem to the world. 
Um, everything you do is marvelous, marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. You are marvelously breathtaking and amazing. Of course you are. You're in the image and likeness of God. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You formed my every bone in my body when you created me in the secretly secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You, you saw who you created me to be before I became me. Yeah, this is you, Ephesians 1, 4, before the foundation of the world, when you were chosen, when you were joined to Christ before the foundation of the world and created before him without spot or blemish in love. Yeah, he chose you. Yeah. Um, how precious and marvelous to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. More than the grains of the sand on every shore. When I awaken each morning, you are still with me. And so God is the one that is beautifying you and beautifying. This is where you started. And so a lot of what God is doing is um, in your development. <clears throat> He's connecting you with original design. And then you're also developing and maturing in design. For example, an oak tree. A little sapling is every bit an oak tree. So if you are a baby Christian, a baby follower of Christ, you are every bit a follower of Christ, but there are things you need to mature, right? That doesn't make you less holy. That means you need to mature. Jesus in the flesh um, grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man so that Jesus had to mature. But he was every bit human. He was without sin or fallen ways of being. And he was every bit God, but put aside his Godhood in how he functioned and functioned as a human being. A hundred percent God, a hundred percent man, but still had to grow in wisdom and stature. He still had to mature. Guess what? We need to grow in wisdom and stature. And so this is part of our working out and beautifying our story. Um, let's go to um, Romans 8, verse 28. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Now let's unpack that a bit. So what Paul is saying here, that every detail of your life is continually woven together for good. What it's not saying is that every detail of your life is good. There are evil things, right? There's abuse, there's cancer, there's addictions, there's, um, you know, all these fallen ways of being, right? There are murders. I mean, there's a lot of details in our lives that are not good, but God is so masterful. He's able to take even the evil things and weave them into the tapestry that he did not create, by the way, that is our, our, our turning away from God, but even take those things and weave them in. So the final story in the tapestry is glorious and good. And this is because we are in his image and likeness, the image and likeness of love. 
which makes us lovers because he's a lover. Now, this is not to mean that we're not supposed to sexualize everything. Okay. Uh, this is not a sexual thing. This is a love. The one who loves is a lover. And love is not lust. Lust takes, love gives, love sacrifices for. And when we're operating in this image and likeness, we operate in sacrificing for as well as receiving. You get both. Okay. Um, for he knew all about us before we were born and destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This is your destiny, right? For those he foreknew, he called, those he called, um, he he predestined, right? Those he predestined, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. What did he predestine you to do? Let's say it, say it right here. For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. I think I reversed the order there, but you get the you get the, you get the gist, right? Um, your destiny is to look just like Jesus in your faith flavor. This is not some are destined for heaven and some are destined for hell. Okay, not that. You're destined to be the beautiful person he created you to be in the image and likeness of God, and beautiful things will happen in your life as he's redeeming things more and more. It says, this means the son is the eldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who have become just like him. First John 4 says, as he is, so are we in this world. This is who you really are. The more you're cooperating with that, the more you show it. Um, having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself. So we're predestined. We're foreknown because he knew us, because he actually created us. You know, we didn't slip through. Oh, one got through and I didn't see. No, he knew you. He foreknew you. Okay. Um, and determine our destiny ahead of us. Okay. That's predetermined, predetermined. He called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness. That's called justification to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified. This is the process that has happened and we're working out this glorification process, becoming the glory that's in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're one with Christ and we are glorious in this image and likeness. And this is being worked out with fear and trembling. And so, uh, so what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me who could ever stand against us. So, you know, the truth is with all the crap and the evil that's going on, God is able to transcend that and make that work out for good. God has actually eternity to do this. And the more that we cooperate with him, the more we see it visible in this lifetime right? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he shall certainly not withhold anything else he has to give. Listen, God gave himself the most precious thing. What is he going to withhold? You need healing? Healing's yours. You need wholeness? Wholeness is yours. You need provision? provision is yours. You need deliverance. Deliverance is yours. You need wisdom and understanding and guidance. Wisdom, understanding, and guidance is yours. You need favor. Favor is yours, right? You need protection. 
protection is yours, right? Everything that Christ died on the cross is yours. Um, who then would dare accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. See, a lot of us need the forgiveness, which we have, that's ours, and the cleansing of a defiled conscience. Because God is saying, yeah, my son and daughter did that. Mm -hmm, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. I have forgiven. And I will not allow them to be condemned. It's not condemnation. It's not coming from me. Um, and I, I say not guilty. You've been forgiven. When you've been forgiven, you are not guilty. Right? And you've been forgiven. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one. For he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death. That is the final ugly thing in our story is death. But the death principle working through our lives, you know, the, the, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's not a punishment statement. That's a consequence. Listen, if I choose to stick my hand in the meat grinder because I rebel against God, death happens in my hands. Okay. Where we're reaping death, it's ultimately from sin, which is our sin, others' sin, sin against the planet, sin against one another, right? All of that death is reaped. And that's an enemy of God. Why? Because he loves you, right? He hates sin and death because he loves you. Um, where was I? He is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he's continually praying for our triumph? You know how he, a lot of it is how he's praying is how to woo your heart to hear him, see him, sense him, feel him, sense his leading, say yes to him, say no to the things that are sinful uh, so uh, that we can start to triumph more and more. Our, our life is being beautified. Who could ever divorce us from the endless love of God's anointed? The answer is, no one. That's the correct answer. Absolutely no one. It even gives you the answer. You pass the quiz. Woo For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love towards us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions, deprivations, dangers, and death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love all-powerful love. They are powerless to hinder all-powerful love. Um, let's see, down to verse 37. Yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. What is that? That's the beautification of your life, where the glory that's in you and manifests from outside you, that all the trials you're going through, God is walking you through and causing you to be victorious in them, to triumph over them. And on the other side, to be upgraded in the image and likeness. You don't go out, uh, uh, you don't come out from a trial the same way you went in. If you're cooperating with God, you get an upgrade in the process. Um, I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, or dark rulers in the heavens. There's nothing in the present or future circumstance that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe 
that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished on us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. That is how your life is beautified. Your life is beautified. So I'm going to go pray and, you know, let's, let's settle down. If you're listening to this or watching this um, and you're driving, please don't watch when you drive. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but don't close your eyes. But if you are in a place where you can close your eyes while I pray, um, do that. So that helps you connect with your spirit inside and that your spirit is one with Christ. So Father, I just thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. That you are beautifying our story. And there are parts of our stories that are so traumatic and so evil and so fallen and so full of pain and suffering, Father. And I thank you that you are able to walk us through and walk us out to redeem, to beautify even those hideous things. That you are masterful in that. And Father, we get an opportunity in the midst of that to say yes to you and what you're doing. That we can humble ourselves under your hand, under your kind and healing and strong and powerful and holy hand. And in due season, you exalt us so that the beautiful things that you're working in us and through us are on display. So Father, I just thank you for the one that's listening now. I thank you that you are wild about him. You are wild about her, that your love is always on in a safe and holy and robust way, that you've seen them from the beginning to the end. And you say, yes, that's my son. That's my daughter in who I'm well pleased. So Father, I thank you for enlightening the eyes of their understanding. Help them to see. I thank you for opening their ears, opening their spirits to your, uh, to your, your realm, the realm of that you inhabit, opening their minds and their thoughts to yield to your mind and your thoughts. And helping them connect with what they know about you. Helping them connect even in their physical bodies to your presence, to your kind presence. Father, I ask you to show your beloved son and daughter what it is that you're beautifying at this moment. There's something that you are working with them. And there's there's an invitation to say yes and yield and partner with you to what it is that you're beautifying. And I just feel that some of you, there's some really deep insecurities. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. I can't do it. I'm maybe there's an, I'm, I'm not worthy. Um, some of you are really struggling with that. And I see the Lord plumbing so deep, like deep diving into that place that is laying this accusation of not enough. That is laying, that is leveling an accusation 
of unholy. That is leveling an accusation of not worthy. And I see the Lord, his spirit diving into those depths where he's already at to bring you up. And so, Father, with that, by your spirit, what are you wanting your son, your daughter to know about who they are, about what you're beautifying, about what you're redeeming, and maybe what you're asking them with sinful ways of being to put down and put away in your strength? baby step by baby step. I just thank you for the redemption of that. I thank you. Some of you need deliverance, whatever that looks like, things that spiritual overlay that is haunting you and accusing you and uh, uh, causing shame and causing maybe shameful ways of being. And I see the Lord stripping that off you. Father, I thank you that you are beautifying your sons and daughters' stories. And just, they are being uh, conformed into your image and they're walking out a trans, a, a transformative and a transcending truth of who you are and who they are in you. And out of that truth, they're operating according to your original design. And I thank you, Father, for that process in Jesus name. Amen. I'd love to hear about what God uh, showed you. And I did want to point out my book. Oops, this is backwards. I was hoping I could, I had this words, but I don't. Sorry, this is backwards. This says God, <laughs> male and female, question mark. And this is Catherine Tune at the bottom. <laughs> Sorry, it's a mirror image. Um, this is my brand new book, um, God, Male and Female. Um, and this is a deep dive into who God is in his slash her masculine and feminine uh, realities. God said, God literally told me, he said, Catherine, I want you to teach my, my kids to see me rightly regarding this gender issue. He said, I'm neither male nor female. That's why I say he's she, because he's both, but I engender both. And so this is a deep dive. What is the masculine energy? I know that sounds like a new age term, but it's actually a God term. Because exousia, which is authority, and dunamis, which is might, those are power, those are energies, um, uh, are from God, right? Okay, so he, he slash she is a masculine energy and a feminine energy, and we need both. We need God as the rock and the tower and the shield. Those are all masculine. Thank you. Need that. And we need God as the wind. And we need God as, as water and we need God as life. And we need this feminine energy to comfort and nurture and teach and lead and guide. And you know what? We get it all. See, if we're created in God's image and likeness, that means the representation of God on the earth realm is masculine and feminine. And so this is a deep dive into this scripturally. I mean, there's a ton of scripture. This is not light reading from the sense of there's a lot of meat to it. So I recommend some of you, I will be recording an audible on this, which is great. Uh, what you probably will want to do is have some sort of written copy. Uh, the Kindle and the paperback are out now. Not sure when the audible's coming out, so it will. And then just to get these scriptures in front of you so you can deep dive. And let me tell you the fruit for me of what this study was. 
I just fell in love with God more because he slash she is so gorgeous. I mean, so gorgeous. And um, just the mystery and awe of this God. And then this is also very healing for us in our femininity and masculinity. There's so much confusion, right? And we're either competing, in which case that that's a that's a win lose, which means it's a lose lose, um, you know. And this is teaching us how can we engage with one another because we're looking how God engages in the masculine strength and the feminine strength in a way that looks like love. So, because God is champions, God is other giving, God, Trinity champions, father, son, and spirit. And now we as women and men made in the image and likeness of God can champion one another without trying to become one another. We're not trying to feminize men and masculinize women. Uh, We're trying to let women be women, men be men. Um, And with, you know, and, and all of us have masculine and feminine energy in it, but obviously there's going to be a predilection towards, you know, feminine ener- energy if you're a woman and masculine energy if you're a man. What does that look like? How do we champion one another? Because we are so better together. And that is part of the beautification process that God is redeeming because that's all of God's kids and we've got to get along. And we're so confused in our sexuality. We're so confused in our gender. We're so confused in our roles. We're so confused in marriage. There's so much um, self-hatred in, in, there's so much oppression. Um, And so this is where we can learn, start to learn the win-win that God has for his kids in humanity as, as women and men. And that's huge. And we can start to address some of these other issues. And in this book, I also have a, um, a God encounter break. So which means this is journaling for you to do a deep dive in the areas that you need healing. You literally need God to help you with things in this area, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's, oh, man, yeah, I've been violating that. I need to come up higher. I didn't even see that right? Whether it's like, oh, wow, I need to humble myself here or wow, I need to champion my spouse or champion this person at work or whatever it is, um, God is able to minister to you. So anyway, it is on Amazon, uh, paperback and Kindle, God, male and female with all these pretty, pretty trees, isn't that pretty? Uh, that my designer, Alexis uh, Hibbets, um, did, did this book. I'm so proud of her. Thank you, Alexis. You did an amazing job. Um, and, uh, and, uh, grab your copy. It's only about 10, 11 bucks us. So, you know, nobody freak. And then I think it's like five ish, uh, Kindle. Uh, so it's not a huge price tag, but it is meaty and will help you. And you want to give it to someone else who may be struggling as well. Anyway, enough promo, but I'm really excited about it. Um, the Lord is so happy with this work. He told me, so I'm like, yay, I did it. I'm so happy. Um, my heart is to bless. And so this is what this is for you to beautify your life. All right, guys, have a great day. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.